we are looking at God's provision for us and our response to his provision. And when I think of God's provision for us in our lives, a lot of times I do think of this verse. This is a verse I remember having quoted to me quite a bit of times when I was a kid because there were five kids in our house and there was a bit of turmoil. And I think sometimes my dad would think to himself, you know, maybe less stuff, more peace. If we just had a little, I would be happy instead of this turmoil that is in our lives. And so uh, as we look at Proverbs 15 and 16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord and great treasure and turmoil with it. This is talking about God's provision, but it's also talking about our response to Him. And so let's, uh, let's take a look at it, and let's go ahead and start by repeating it together. There's only so many words, so this one hopefully will go a little bit easier than some recently. But let's see if we can say this together a few times, shall we? Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. All right, so we'll just take away a few of those. Oh, only three. Look at that. We should be able to fill these lines. Say this one again. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. All right, one more time. There we go. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. All right. We are looking today at this idea of better. What is better? And and Proverbs 15, 15:16 tells us that better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it and it is a better than and right after verse 16 there is verse 17 which says in essence the same thing better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred now, what the, the Proverbs being back-to-back like that are doing for us is uh, repeating the idea. And remember, when things are repeated, that means they're important. So when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, that's meaning this is more true, or it's truer, if you can say it, it's truer than just if he says, truly, I say to you. And so when the angels are praising God, they say, holy, holy, holy and by repeating holy three times something that is only reserved for god they are telling us just how holy god is well for these proverbs to have 16 saying better is a little with the fear of the lord than great treasure and turmoil with it and then to say again in 17 better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred it's it's repeating the same idea the the idea that something is better than the other that it is better to have a little better to have just a dish of vegetables if that's all you've got 
But to live in the fear of the Lord or to live with love for those that you're sharing that dish of vegetables with, that is better than to have great treasure and turmoil. That is better than having a fattened ox, which is a great treasure image. A good meal, oh, a, a feast. But the feast is served with hatred instead of love. It, it's a, a better than. It's a comparison of what really matters. And, and as we're looking at it coming from the book of Proverbs, you've got to remember it's not necessarily um, telling us, oh, you, you need to make sure you're poor. It's not saying, well, you, you need to only eat vegetables because then you'll have love. Or if you keep and make sure you only have a little, then you'll have the fear of the Lord. It's not saying that so much. But it's a comparison of value. That, that as long as you have the fear of the Lord, if you have a little, you're better off than all the turmoil that you might have with that great treasure. But as I think about the, the world that we live in and, and the values that we have today, this is a comparison between uh, God's Word and our hearts. Because if you, if you think about uh, the things that we value and, and as a society we value, what, are, what, what do we hold up as examples or as those who have won, those who have accomplished things? You know, I... I heard a statement in the last, I don't know when it started being used, but people are described as the goat. And the goat means the greatest of all time. And this is funny to me because the first time I ever heard somebody referred to as a goat was at my brother's graduation from West Point. And there was a, a cadet, as he graduated, uh, the whole group of students that were graduating, when this guy's name was called out, Everybody erupted in cheers and a standing ovation. And as he marched across the stage, he had a bag in his hands. And he was, he was, he was the champ. You know, and, and I didn't understand what was going on. And he was smiling and he was waving and everybody was cheering for him. And I turned to my dad and I said, what's, what's the big deal about this guy? And my dad said, oh, he's the GOAT. Okay, well, what's that mean? He says, that means he came in dead last. He is the goat because the Naval Academy mascot is a goat. And see, West Point and the Naval Academy, they have a rivalry going on. And basically, the guy who comes in dead last in his class is the goat. He is the equivalent of the Naval Academy. But... Here's the thing, his second lieutenant pin on, his rank is equal to everybody else's that graduated. And not only that, everybody else in his class gave him a silver dollar in honor of him being the goat. And as my dad pointed out, it's really hard to come in dead last, you know, because had his scores been just a little bit lower, he wouldn't have graduated and somebody else would have been the goat. Or if his scores were just a little bit better, he might have passed the, the next to last student and he wouldn't have been it. You know, it's, it's hard to come in dead last academically. It's, it's really hard. And they rewarded him and honored him. And so for the longest time, to me, the goat was the person who came in dead last. And now all of a sudden, we're arguing about who's the goat? Who's the goat in basketball? Who's the goat in football? And... and 
uh, right now, everybody, you know, well, not this year, but historically with the most Super Bowls, Tom Brady has been considered the greatest of all time, which I think is a ridiculous argument to have because there's too much going here and there. But here's the, here's the whole point for all this. As I am confused by the goat idea because of my introduction to it, I would say that God is also not necessarily confused, but disagrees with our evaluation system. What makes somebody the greatest of all time? I don't know how many Super Bowls he's won. I can't remember. I can't count, probably. Six, I'm told. Let me ask you something. Do you think God cares more about Super Bowl rings or a wedding ring? What do you think? What do you think? Where, where do you think God's values line up? Do you think God is going to be excited about a person who has six Super Bowl rings? Or is he going to be excited about a person who can hold on to one wedding ring? And I don't mean you don't lose it in the yard. I mean you stay married to one person your whole life until death do you part. I don't want to get down on Tom Brady. I don't want to get down on divorce, but I do want to recognize the world's values are vastly askew from God's. God's values are different than the world's values. He he says, I think this is better. We have an attitude, and I've seen the news articles about Tom Brady, and I think her name's, I can't pronounce her last name, but Giselle, I think, is her first name. This was what happens when you only read news and you don't hear it, is you mispronounce everything. But uh, the world has this attitude of, well, you know, at least they gave it a shot. And they both still have their money because they had this really great prenuptial agreement. Never mind the three kids that now are going to be shuttled back and forth, added to another kid that he had, I think, with a, a, a girlfriend at some point. Never mind. They got millions. They got billions. Who cares? But, you know, I, I, what God tells us is that in the end, if, if nobody ever knows your name and nobody ever cheered for you and nobody ever got in an argument about whether or not you were the greatest of all time, but if you were a simple person who had a little in your life and yet you were faithful to that little, if you stayed with one person and you lived with them and you lived for them, you shine greater than the people that we hold up as being the greatest. That's God's value system. His values are different than the world's values. And that's what this proverb is telling us. What God views as being better, and yet we look in our world and we say, no, our world says that great treasure is worth the turmoil. That if you're not happy with your life, you need to scrap your life and go somewhere else or find someone else and get that happier life because that treasure is worth it. And God says, no, it would be better to have a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. And this is not, uh, as I said earlier, this isn't how you get the fear of the Lord. It isn't you have to stay with a little. It's not that you have to be poor. It's not to say that you can't eat the fattened ox. No, it, it's as we look in, if we were to, to go back to the verse right before verse 16, 
Proverbs 15.15 tells us, All the days of the afflicted are bad, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Look at that idea of the feast that we're going to get into in 17. Right? So 15.15 says, All the days of the afflicted are bad, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. And then it moves immediately into, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. You know, if you're afflicted, it doesn't matter if you're wealthy or poor. Sometimes poor people are afflicted and their days are bad. Sometimes we just keep making the wrong decisions and our days are bad and it doesn't matter that we have a little. We just have less to lose. But the other thing can be true. That if you have a cheerful heart, even though you have treasure, even though you have wealth, even though you have the fattened ox, you can have a continual feast. Because it's not about those things. It's not about those circumstances. That is not the focus. Our hearts and not our circumstances are what matter. So the person who has a cheerful heart, they have a continual feast. It's our heart that matters, not not whether or not we're, we're poor or we're rich. When he says it's better than, that doesn't mean you have to absolutely have not. No, he's just saying if you happen to have little but the fear of the Lord, well, you're better off than a person who has great treasure and turmoil. And if you just have a dish of vegetables, but there's love being shared in that meal and that fellowship in that house, that's so much better than having a fatted ox and hatred. No, it's not the circumstances. He's not saying it's terrible to have fattened ox. He's not saying you should always eat vegetables. No, what he's saying is, is, is our hearts. That if we have a cheerful heart, you're going to have a continual feast. It doesn't matter. As Paul said, he has learned how to be content in all things. He's learned how to eat and he's learned how to go hungry. He has learned how to be cold. He has learned how to be uh, in comfortable clothing. He has learned how to live in all environments because he is strengthened in Christ. It is Christ who strengthens him. And in a similar way, if our hearts are cheerful, if our hearts are focused on the Lord, then it doesn't matter if we have a little or a lot. It doesn't matter if we have treasure or not. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the more stuff you have, the more problems you have. And if you have treasure, there's a good chance you're going to have some turmoil with it. You know, uh, Amy and I, we got to go out Friday night and see My Fair Lady. Uh, over in, in Dallas, and then we got home and realized in a couple more weeks we could have seen it here in Fort Worth, but okay, you know, that's fine. Uh, but my, my favorite character in that musical is Eliza's dad, Arthur P. Doolittle. You know, he's a dustman. He just sweeps the streets. And he goes to, to the Professor Higgins, and he, he, he wants compensation for the fact that his daughter is in this man's house now. You know, he just wants five pounds, though, because any more than that would be too much. You know, he just wants enough to have a good time one night. That's all. Let me go out, have a party, and that'll be good. And through the course of the story, uh, something happens where her dad ends up inheriting wealth 
from an, a, a benefactor in America who dies, and now he has 4,000 pounds to his name every year. And it ruins him. He said, you know, when I was poor, I had two relations and they weren't speaking to me. Now I have 50 relations and they're all shiftless and have no money. And they all are looking to me to give them sustenance and to support them. So I was happy in my poverty. Now I have to be respectable. It's awful. There is so much turmoil with that wealth. I, I hear stories of actors buying businesses left and right, and I think half of their problem is, is they've got so much money they don't know what to do with it. And they, they just keep, you know, they start getting to the point where you're working for your money because you don't just want to let it be. It needs to be invested. It needs to be worked. And now all of a sudden you're no longer master of your own life. The money is the master. And remember what we saw just a couple of weeks ago. You can't serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. And we can very easily get to the point where we are serving money. And in contrast to that, we need to focus on our hearts. And so, Proverbs 15, 16 here tells us, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, my dad used to talk about this. And as a kid, I, I really liked eating meat. And so when he would quote, uh, better is a dish of vegetables where love is, than a fattened ox served with hatred after me and my brothers might be hitting on one another and pounding one another into the ground and having an argument or a fight. You know, he just wanted the love. He, he wasn't necessarily saying we needed to have a dish of vegetables too. But that's the way I understood it. You know, We had five kids. There was some turmoil. There was some malice for one another at times. But it doesn't mean you, you have to go that way. You can have a good meal and love. The, the thing here, though, is, is what are we focused on in our lives? The world focuses on the treasure. The world focuses on the good time and the, the comfort. But our focus, we need to focus on love and the fear of the Lord. We need to, to focus on having love for one another and having love for God and, and having fear of the Lord to, to be in a place where we reverence Him. Where we are genuinely, you know, not the fear of, is He going to hit me? But the fear of, I don't want to do something He wouldn't like. I don't want to do something that would discredit Him. I want to do things that honor God. I want to do things that delight God. I want to live in such a way and make such decisions and say such things that God is pleased with me. That's what, that's what He's telling us there. And this is, this is the, what matters. That we fear Him. That we love Him. That it doesn't matter so much what our circumstances are. I don't know about you, but my grocery cart uh, is shrinking. You know? Used to be we could fill a cart up and I'd have to put the jugs of milk on the bottom because there was no room in the cart. 
and maybe we could still get out of there under 100 bucks. I went to the grocery store this week. Only about half the cart had food in it. There was plenty of room for me to put the milk jugs in the cart. And it was still over $120. You know? We're getting to the place where there will be fewer and fewer fattened calves, fattened ox, more and more dishes of vegetables. You know, we, we try to have a meatless Monday and sometimes it goes over okay. Most of the time there's a little bit of grumbling even from the cooks. You know, we're not looking forward to dishes of vegetables. We want the fattened ox. But the focus is that the world does have struggles. And our focus needs to be on loving one another and loving God and to living in fear of Him. Not, not being so focused on our circumstances. How much money do we have? What kind of food are we eating? What kind of, you know, house am I living in? All of those things. We, we can you know, want to improve on those, obviously. But our focus needs to be on the fear of the Lord. Reverencing Him. Revering Him, I should say, would be a better way of putting it. On loving one another. That is, that is what matters and is important to God. And we've got a whole world around us that doesn't really care about what God thinks. So is it any wonder that they're going to live and make decisions that go completely contrary to His wisdom? But as Jesus told us in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, He says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What does it gain a person to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? We have a lot of people in our world today, in our society. They're doing everything they can to gain the whole world. They want to be the greatest, or they want to be the richest, or they want to just enjoy things. You know, living here uh, near the lake, there's a lot of people that are gaining the whole world. Every Saturday, they're driving by, they're going down to the boat ramp, they're going into the lake, they're having a great time. That is... To some of us, everything. You know, work hard. Why? So I can enjoy my weekend. Work hard every week. Why? So I can enjoy my weekend. It may be smaller, but it's the same heart attitude as the rich people on TV. What does it gain? What does it profit a person if they gain the whole world but forfeit their soul? What Proverbs 15 is encouraging us in verses 16 and, and in 17 with it, but our focus is on 16 this week. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. Let us not get wrapped up into the, the desires of the world that seeks that treasure that says the turmoil is worth it. It's not. Let us instead focus on our trust in the Lord. That we don't need a treasure. We already have Christ. And, and, and you know, I, 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 I'm th- put to mind uh, Jesus' encouragements to us to not store up our treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy. 
but store up your treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys. Let's not get wrapped up in the church in, in the churches, in the world's values and the treasure that it seeks. But let's not forfeit our souls, but instead may our hearts be cheerful because our fear is in the Lord. May our hearts be cheerful because we have love for God and for one another. And let us hold on to His value system. No matter what happens in the world tomorrow and the next year, let's hold on to His values and say, no, it's better if I have the fear of the Lord and yet all I can eat is a bunch of vegetables. It's better It's better than what the world wants. It's better than what the world seeks. Let's hold on to Him. Let's say this together one more time, shall we? Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this morning. And we thank You, Lord, for Your Word and for your values, that you remind us that the way of the world is not your way, that our ways, as we are not following you, are not your ways, that your ways are higher and your ways are greater. Lord, that our, our focus needs to not be on what we have or what we're going through or what our circumstances are, but our eyes need to be on you. And what really matters is our heart. Do we fear you? Do we revere You? Do we love one another? Lord, help us to have Your values in our hearts today. We pray that we would seek that which is better, not those things that the world seeks. Lord, as we have been caught up with the the values of the world and joined in on the rat race, as we sometimes call it, Lord, convict our hearts and bring us back to a place where we seek what is truly great and what truly matters. May we follow after You, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.